0: This
1: is the culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Wave podcast. We're back. Happy holidays. Hope you guys enjoyed your Christmas day and season with everybody. We are now talking about more awards fair potentially with A24's new wrestling drama, The Iron Claw. I'm going to be one of your hosts. My name is Darian Scalamoni. I am joined by Liz Seiko.
0: Hello, everybody.
1: And we're also joined for the first time on the producer cam by Vinny Albano. Hello, hello. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, this is a movie that we have been wanting to talk about uh, for a bit because I think a lot of us saw it probably early last week um, before we're recording. Oh, yeah. We're recording the day after Christmas. Um, and this was one that I think even Liz back in our most anticipated episode, like, we were halfway through the year. This was one that was like very high on my list. Mm-hmm. Um the the fact that I'm a big and for the people that are wrestling fans, I'm wearing a wrestling t-shirt. This is AEW. Kevin Von Erich is associated with them now like very big wrestling fan for a lot of my life. And the fact that this story was finally going to be told on screen um and teaming up in like with A24, I was very excited for that and especially seeing all the Photos and the first looks that came out of Efron and Jeremy Allen White and Harris Dickinson and Stanley Simons as the Von Erich uh, boys um, kind of amped up that excitement for me, too. Uh, but I just want to kind of to ask both of you guys. I'll, I'll start with Liz. Just gauge, like, did you know anything about this story going into it and and based on just overall thoughts, like how did you feel when you started to sort of enter yourself into the the wrestling world, so to speak?
0: so no i knew absolutely nothing about this story the extent of my knowledge i really didn't even watch the trailer going into this i try i'm, I'm kind of not doing that a lot this year just because i want to go in and fully with a fresh slate the only things that i knew going into this was it's about wrestling it's about brothers <laughs> it's the bottom line that's kind of all
1: you needed though
0: I, that's what i feel like that's all that i need to know because i feel like if i knew more um there were moments where i like gasped just because of the shock that i really didn't know what was gonna come next with the story um and so i'm kind of happy i didn't go deep diving and learning about them before um but yeah the first time that i had learned about this was all of a sudden like a24 posted a picture of them uh like the four brothers like zach Efron, jeremy allen white in there, like si- like sitting in a truck, I think was the first picture, mm. and maybe you sent it to me, and we're like, let's go,
1: and you had no idea, and what I it was, was just
0: like, okay, <laughs> I was like, I'm ready for it, <laughs> like let's see what happens. But no, I'm I'm really not involved in the wrestling world at all. I have very bare, minimum knowledge about it. I've never heard of the Iron Claw move before, <laughs> um, but. Uh, so going in, I was very blind. Um, but I had also been seeing really great reviews specifically for Zach Efron's performance. So I was excited. Um and are we doing first thoughts right now or Yeah, you can okay. go
1: into your first thoughts.
0: Uh I loved it (laughs) it was so good um i cried at the end it was honestly i think it was a great film too because as somebody that doesn't know anything about wrestling they didn't leave you in the dark the whole time they kind of like brought you into the world Uh, right away, they weren't making you – because sometimes with films like this that are very niche about a certain sport or even like a genre, sometimes it's about music, like composers, um, if you don't have prior knowledge about it, it can kind of seem a little – hard to catch up with the story
1: yeah it gets like a little too inside baseball
0: exactly and like the they stop doing basic plot points because they assume their audience knows what's coming next but i think they did a really nice job of getting me comfortable with the world um Mm -hmm. used to like these huge men wearing like the tightest clothes ever and Mm -hmm. just like bodying each other fully um i thought they did an incredible job the performances were honestly for the entire cast i think it was perfectly cast, and really strong in-depth performances. Sometimes I think when they have this many characters to touch on, um, they tend to just focus on one character, which they kind of did, Zac Efron mostly. But then sometimes I feel like characters can get lost in the background, and I don't think they did this. I think they did a really nice job of trying to give each brother their moment and let them shine and tell kind of their story in a way. Um... Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the story is literally just about the brothers um, and some tragic, horrible events that happened to their family. And I think they did a really great job. I think they did a nice homage to them and it was entertaining the whole time.
1: Yeah. Vinny? Yeah, so... (laughs) (laughs) Non-spoilers. This is just your first Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, This
2: movie hit me like a truck. Mm -hmm. I adored it. Um, From beginning to end, I think that, like you mentioned... Efron is surprisingly a standout here. Just incredible all around. The entire cast, Jeremy Allen White as well as Harris Dickinson. Just I adored both of them throughout. And even um, uh, excuse me if my pronunciation is off, but Holt uh, McCallany. McCallany, yeah. McCallany, yeah. He was in Mindhunter, which I watched the first season. He's great in that, and he was really great in this because like you really begin to hate him like especially towards the end of the movie i, I absolutely yeah. hated him mm. uh also underrated here uh more attorney she was incredible and the performances really like are the standout here i think i think they're that's what really carry um a lot of the film but also just like the filmmaking in general from like we'll go more in depth Mm -hmm. later on but i want to talk about the cinematography uh as a director of photography myself Mm -hmm. i adored it as well as like sean durkin was a name that i was not familiar with but like coming out of this i was like okay like i going to be i gotta watch out now whenever i see the name sean durkin i i'm gonna be excited from now this point forward yeah i just thought like also i wasn't familiar with the story at all. I, I knew of the Von Erich like curse. Like I knew that okay, the, so
0: you know knew about it a little bit.
2: Yeah, I knew that the family had tragedy around them and I, I knew like how big their names were in the industry, but uh, but I didn't know any of the details. Okay. And yeah. coming out of this I literally was I was a I was broken. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. It had it was optimistically there was an optimistic end to it. Mm-hmm. So there's something to take away from there rather than just being depressed the whole time. But it hit me like a truck. Absolutely adored it. And I think they did a great job.
1: Yeah. Um, so with the, I had an understanding. I, I knew of the tragedy that comes that we're trying to tiptoe around until mm-hmm. we get to the spoilers. Um, and like I had known synonymously because of the, age I was when I was born like and so much of this story takes place years before all of us were born that I was aware of um like that name was synonymous with tragedy let alone wrestling like it was just like they were a, a they were basically the Kennedys of wrestling is how people talk about their family oh okay and because of a lot of different reasons well, yeah. <laughs> and which we'll get to but um yeah from a this this movie this is a movie, the small select few in my life so far that have made me like weep, like by the end of it. So like I was, I think all three of us, like as we're talking about, like we all cried at the end of this yeah, movie of and probably at other points, but the ending alone um, and so much of the weight being on, though it is a true ensemble piece and I agree with you, Liz, what you were saying. It's, they do such a great job of, of making every single character feel like their own mm-hmm. while still feeling that the family is a character in and of itself yeah. together. Um. I think this is Efron's best performance ever, and I don't think it's close. I, I thought that he did a good job as Ted Bundy. Um, it was like it was a different kind of role for him, and I think he tried to sort of elevate his dramatic chops in mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but this movie, he 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 sort of camouflages himself. Like it's the first time that you really see the true acting ability that he can have. And I remember when I first heard of his casting. Uh, not that I don't like Zac Efron as an actor. But knowing what I did know of the story, I was worried. Because I was like, this is a movie that it's taken – or a story that it's never been told narratively before. There's tons of documentaries on this. But it's never been told in the narrative form. And I was worried about him being able to bear so much of that weight being the lead of this movie, despite Mm -hmm. it being a true ensemble. Um, but if it were up to me and I was choosing and I'd have to think about it, like we, we've talked about on multiple of the other past podcasts, if it were up to me, I would absolutely have him nominated for this movie. I think he is unbelievably just brilliant. Like I couldn't believe that again, like you get lost in it. You don't even see him as Zac Efron for a lot of the movie. Um, so I do think that's, that's a big thing that goes along with it. I love the script. I love the way that they, they kind of structured the narrative of the story. And I don't think again, like maybe we've had some issues sometimes with runtimes this year. I think this movie is like perfect in terms of its storytelling. Like I think it's beginning, middle and end. It just goes through this perfect narrative structure on what happened, especially with so many details with this story, which we'll get to in the spoilers, Mm -hmm. like unfortunately having to be left out, there's a reason behind why they had to do that. And I thought that like you were talking about to Sean Durkin, who I've never seen any of his work either. Ah, uh, but I've heard really great things about his debut film, Martha, uh, Marcy, May Marlene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think him tackling a story of this magnitude and hopefully getting more attention because of how well it seems this movie is doing for A24 and critically, I would love to see him do like he. I think the two movies he did before this also are based in like really like serious, dramatic, tragic circumstances. So. Mm. But like you said, it ends on an optimistic note, and I do think that that's the great takeaway from it. Is like you get hit like a truck for basically ninety percent of the movie, yeah. And yeah. you end on this sort of circumstantial situation with Kevin Von Eric, where you're happy for what is to come for him and for his family. So that's that's a that's a pretty good roundabout way, I feel like, of of talking about this movie without diving into spoilers. Is I there know. anything else we want to add before we? Dive into spoilers?
0: No, I mean, I think the reason also, um, I think a lot of people maybe for Zach Efron were a little apprehensive at first. Um, and I think that he pulled through, and that's why a lot of people are giving him the praise that he deserves. I think in comparison to his Ted Bundy performance, I think you are right with what you said about him taking a step with that role into more dramatic roles. So I think in his mind, he probably had more to prove with that job. Versus this one, I think he wasn't trying to prove to like the world or the industry that he had he he can do dramatic. I think he was just trying to uh, deliver a true performance to uh, the real family, and rather just do a like a good service for um what's the character's name Kevin? Kevin
1: Monarch, yeah. Yeah,
0: and so I think that also takes the pressure off of not trying to be a great performance. You're just trying to deliver a true performance. Yeah. Sure. Um, and I felt that through his the, throughout the film, I felt like he wasn't like, oh my god, I need to deliver an Oscar-worthy scene. I was just kind of like, it fell out. It
1: wasn't it. showy. No, all. it wasn't, it which I love at all. I agree. And it wasn't like Very he was authentic. trying
0: to carry the whole film on his back. You know how some people, when they have like the the lead role, they'll just like I don't know I don't know they just give you the vibe that they're trying to make the film all yeah, about for them sure. and I got the vibe in every scene that had multiple people in it Zach was just letting other ones kind of take the screen time which yeah, was nice for sure Benny
2: mm. yeah um I agree I agree I for me I did never watched the Ted Bundy film mm. and I also just like I don't know what other roles he did, but I've always seen Zach Efron as the high school musical guy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah of so I never really. I didn't expect much going oh, into this. Like, I didn't know what I was going to get out of it, and I didn't think that Zach Efron was going to be the standout. I thought that his peers were going to overshadow him mm. but they didn't yeah. and he was really really good however um i feel like his performance may go under the radar just because of the release of this film it's very late in the year and i'm scared because i agree i want him to get nominated i think yeah. he's
0: at least a nom yeah. like something
1: Totally, we we totally. had talked to, I think, a couple episodes ago about how, or maybe this was off camera, but Iron Claw got, like, z- I think actually oh, zero Golden Globe nominations, which, really? again.
0: But was it the cutoff date? Is that why?
1: I don't know if it was or not, because I think All of Us Strangers still technically. But again, that was like a festival movie, and I don't know if Iron Claw played at any festivals. Mm. So I don't know if that had something to do with it. But, like, and. If you're a fan of the Golden Globes, I apologize. But like I do think that there's a certain standard, like Golden Globes versus the Academy Awards. Like yeah. that has a lot more prestige to it. And I do hope that it does get recognized in that regard. And I'm not expecting it to get a, a crazy amount of nominations, but I do think that Efron should be recognized because it's it's a heavy performance. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. No, I agree. I just think it's just because there hasn't been enough time to like garner the the discussion around his career performance mm-hmm. and like the attention around his performance yet which i'm scared that the oscars are just gonna you know look over him and you know just completely overlook him which it would be a shame if that were the case um but i really wish i really want him to get a nom. i really want him to get now a- i mean for 1917 which was a film that released Pretty late in the year, mm-hmm. whatever that released. It would release like
1: it was probably like the same timing as Iron Let's Claw. See. I think it was around yeah. like the it was anywhere from like the 18th to like till Christmas. I would say that actually also might have been a January release. It was a like,
0: dis- it was a Christmas December Christmas. 25th? 25th. Okay, there you 19, go. 2019. So, yeah.
1: so it's similar similar vibe with that. And at least the one thing, at least Benny, not to cut you off. I apologize, but no, you're good. like the Academy Awards this year, I believe are like the first week of March. So I do think that there's more time, hopefully, for these movies. I'm like, all of us strangers is another example. Like that movie doesn't go wide until January twenty second, which is like crazy late. Mm. So you do hope that that this movie does get more attention, and, and so maybe that maybe there is room yeah. for that to well, happen.
0: Well, not to do a deep dive on Golden Globes really quickly, but there's three films that they're saying have been like snubbed, and it's The Iron Claw, Napoleon, and Ferrari, which. Like, from, I haven't seen Napoleon and Ferrari yet, but from what I've been hearing, that they're not very standout films. Yeah. But for me, I feel like the Iron Claw, it's, it, I've preferred it compared to some of the other films that I've seen this year.
1: And, oh, 100%. Uh, On Rotten Tomatoes, I, I was just looking at this earlier, the critics' score for Iron Claw is 89, mm-hmm. and the audience score is 93. So mm-hmm. it's still like, it's, it's a movie, high. it's very high, for, in both, and that's, That usually doesn't happen. Like, you're usually going to have a little bit more of a dip either way. Um, And I agree with what Liz was saying. Like, I haven't seen Napoleon yet. I know you did. You did a review on the channel. And I've heard it's, again, it's like, it's totally, it's a mess. And there's there's issues with the overall script and how they decided to make edits. Mm -hmm. And Ferrari is one that I just heard. It's like an underbaked biopic. It's Mm -hmm. just like one of those typical, like, you get them every year. Like some people felt that way with like House of Gucci. Some people felt that way with other films that have come out in recent years, where it's just something that you have a lot of anticipation building to it. I mean, Michael Mann, Adam Driver, Patrick yeah. Dempsey, Shailene Woodley, Penelope Cruz. But sometimes that doesn't mean anything, you know. Yeah. Like just bringing in all the talent, you have to. It starts with the story, and if they're, they deliver the story that doesn't work, this movie, on the other hand, again, I think the story and the core of what it is, it's devastating. Man, like this this movie hits you, like you said, like a truck. But it hits you at so many different points for someone that has no reference to what happened. Like, yeah, I I was... do feel like it's delivered in such a way where the scene composition it gets you, it catches you off guard in in the perfect way to make oh, yeah. you feel the way you're supposed to be feeling based on what the director was giving you. Hmm. So I don't know. I, I think. I feel like we need to start going into spoilers because we're gonna Wait, start.
0: We're gonna start spiraling. Yeah,
1: we're gonna start going into a different territory. So, are we? Are we good before? Yeah, I, I'd say we're good. I I
2: think it's just you know, if anyone's watching this who hasn't watched the film yet, um, check it out. It be prepared to be hurt, um, in the heart. But it's just it's, you know, people like myself and and us here like we appreciate that. Like, I feel like I came out of this with like almost a whole new perspective. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it was so heartbreaking, but you know, in the end, your heart is kind of wrapped up into these bandages and you, you, you walk forward with a whole new meaning. And I love that. I love that. I think, I think this film was just from beginning to end, such a beautiful piece of filmmaking, just all throughout. Just everything together, just emph emps- emphasized, emphasized, <laughs> emphasized. Um, you know, everything. Just the actors complemented the script, and the script complemented the actors, and every all the filmmakers, Sean Durkin and cinematographer Machis Earl D. Um, just they all complemented each other, and I think this is easily one of my favorite films of the year.
1: Nice, awesome. All right, should we do it? Yes. I echo everything you said by the way Vinny, but I need to <laughs> I need to start talking about the details of this movie or I'll freak out. All right. The Iron Claw. So if you guys have not watched the movie, totally agree with everything Vinny just said, go and see this movie as quickly as possible, then come back to our review, listen to the rest of it cuz there's a lot we're going to talk about, a lot we're going to dive into and there's a lot of nuance to this story and the details that are to follow that we're about to express in our in our analysis of the film yes so um you've been warned spoilers are ahead and we're gonna start talking about it so just to recap the iron claw is a movie that is a biopic of this iconic and legendary family in the wrestling business that was started by a gentleman named fritz von Erich, who is played by as Vinny said holt mccallany mm-hmm. best known for mind Hunter playing bill tench uh the detective alongside um jonathan groff in that in that series and i agree he's very good in that show such an underrated show it's probably my favorite yeah. netflix show ever um but he does such a great job uh playing the family patriarch fritz von Erich. and then you have uh his four boys in the movie uh and it's kevin von Erich, played by zach efron carrie von Erich, who's played by jeremy allen white david von Erich, who's played by harris dickinson and stanley simons in his uh Big like, acting debut as Mike Von Erich. Like, he, this is by far the biggest thing he's ever done. More um, Tierney, again, plays Doris Von Erich, the boy's mother and Fritz's wife. And then Lily James plays Pam, who is Kevin Von Erich, Zach Efron's character's love interest. Yes. Um, this is a movie, like we've said, is incredibly tragic and because uh, we skirted around it as much as possible. The, the family had six sons, and five of them are no longer with us. Uh, five of them died before the age of 35. And uh, four of them died at the age of 25 or younger. Uh, Three were due to suicide. One was due to a ruptured intestine. And one, who I was talking to Liz about this earlier. I don't know if you read into this or anything, Vinny. But the youngest son that they reference in the movie. And you eventually see him at the end of the movie. And you see him in the beginning sequence too with Mm -hmm. Fritz when he's wrestling. um, He got electrocuted. And he Mm -hmm. fell into a pile of snow. Like passed out. And died drowning in like a... Puddle of snow, essentially. Huh. So it's like the like most what? tragic circumstances that you could never even possibly imagine, and a family losing one child, let alone five, yeah. is yeah. incredibly tragic. And there's no other way to sort of wrap your brain around it. Uh, and this plays out throughout the film. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the f- like the fact that throughout the movie, you you literally get you get one off screen. A, basically one-off scene death, essentially, with with David. Um, but how did you guys feel about getting to that point? Because, again, I knew that all of them... I knew that all of them died already. I didn't know exactly how. I didn't know. Like, I never really knew all the details about, like, where they were when they died, how they died, but I knew all of them died. Okay. So I knew it was coming, but it's still, when it hits you, because of the way that it's directed, I think it's really... Like, again, it's just done in a really organic and and I mean beautiful is not the right word but it's done in a way that makes you shocked like it makes you really feel it through through the lens of the filmmaker so um, Liz I'll start with you how did that hit you like throughout the movie like was it like bang 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 or was it like hit you oh my god what the hell is happening what is the rest of this movie going to be oh my god another one like can you explain that
0: so the first one with david um i don't think was that surprising only because they showed like the blood in the toilet Mm. where that like right there just being like saying that the audience isn't stupid it's like okay you're throwing up blood something's wrong and if you yeah. don't go to the hospital or get some care something's gonna happen so I don't think that one was completely shocking definitely sad um, to like see how it unfolds and affects them um, then I would say the next part for me that was like I audibly gasped was you um, one, okay, so you see Carrie, uh, after he wins, like, the award, he gets on his motorcycle and they start showing that's the shot of, like, uh, on the front the road, of the motorcycle, yeah. mm-hmm. which, great. Loved that, first of all. And so I was like, great, this guy's gonna die now. I was like, he's just gonna, like, get in a crash, mm. and, like, that's gonna be it, because, uh, like, he was feeling so high and untouchable because he finally won. But oh my God, when they, when he walks, when you finally see that he's awake and then you see that his foot is just gone, I didn't expect that.
1: That, like really shocked Also for reference, because I don't know if you, again, did the research, I found this out after the fact. um, He, when he went back into wrestling, uh, no one knew that he was an amputee for his whole life, the remainder of his life. Uh. Wait, what? He hid that from everybody. He wore his boots everywhere. He never took them off in the locker room. And there was only a select few friends that he had in the wrestling industry that when they would like go back to the hotel room, like he would feel comfortable and he would tell them about it. But like people in the wrestling industry didn't know until after he died that he was an amputee. What? Oh. Huh. Yeah. Crazy. Wait,
0: but so like weren't they didn't he go like not? Perform or well, they said he got like, like
1: yeah, he got into a motorcycle accident,
0: and but they never but said But they never
1: knew that he was an amputee, and he just said that he broke his ankle, and he literally said in interviews like yeah, I'm feel like my ankle's feeling better, I'm like literally hit it from the world.
0: That's crazy,
1: crazy. That's so another, another little nugget to throw your way, but I, I feel like throughout the pot, I'll, I'll I'll give you some of those, but yeah,
0: wow, that like <laughs> I have to digest that for a second because mm. okay, so then like in my head, storytelling wise. He wanted to, like, the writers, they clearly wanted to show the struggle. Like, I'm curious why they didn't put that in the film at all.
1: That he didn't hide it from anybody? Yeah,
0: like, they didn't. Because I think so much of the story
1: was based in the brothers, and they didn't, like, because, and I I do appreciate what you're saying, too. The only time you really get a real sense of the wrestling industry, other than it being so uh, substantial to their father, is in that montage that you get with Tom Sawyer. Yeah. Like, they don't, it's not about, what the other wrestlers think. I mean, they have the one moment with Ric Flair, obviously, but it's not that's not crucial to the story. I
0: know, but I feel like that's crucial to like his character development.
1: But that's where you go back to the point where it's like it is an ensemble, but so much of the story it's is not heavily hit. revolving it, around him. You're
0: character. right, you're right. And I
1: did see, some, there was some criticism about how, but I, again, I don't know if these are wrestling fans or just, again, movie critics that are purists about storytelling, but uh, some people thought that his character was underwritten. I disagree, and I do... I liked the fact that they did show the struggle of the amputation. Like, those were the standout scenes for me. I agree. With Jeremy Allen White. And I'm not saying that it wasn't a struggle for him. I'm, I'm sure it was. And I, I'm sure you can look back in, in interviews with Kevin and he'll tell you that. Um, but I, I don't think they wanted to to focus on that because to the Von Erich family, they ne- like, nobody ever talked about it. It wasn't just the Kerry thing. Like, the whole family yeah. kept it a secret. Like, that's what he wanted when he came out of the hospital. He's like, we're not telling anybody that it's happened. So he was just on the shelf for a while, and then he started training again. And I think he was, which I know you had said off camera, like the timing stuff was always was a little weird for you.
0: Yeah, I don't know how you felt th- about this, Vinny, mm. but I felt like it was a tiny bit hard, uh, just because I was taking in all this new information to figure out the time frame of everything. Like, is this months between the brothers passing away, or are we talking like years between the brothers passing? Did you like struggle with it at all, or no?
2: True, I timing wise. I don't know. I I feel like I didn't really pay too much attention to that. Mm-hmm. I I feel with the major wrestling matches that did occur, we did always get like a title card with uh, a date on it, like 1983. And I believe the Ric Flair fight was was that 1983
1: or 1986. Um, um, I do know that the true story of that is not a hundred percent accurate to what they do in the movie, though. Okay. But uh, yes, I do think that was in. The early 80s but you're talking about are you talking about the Ric flair match with carrie or the Ric flair match with kevin
2: um with kevin
1: though claw yeah,
2: yeah the, the claw, claw. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: so yeah so that actually in in real time that match happened before um mike had passed away and they okay. do it in the movie as if he's he's feeling that way because of the death of two brothers but it's that really actually happened in real life when david passed away okay. so the timing's a little different in terms of that but um but yeah no they did I I they also do show the title cards of like again I guess spacing it out for you but
0: maybe I just didn't pay mm. attention <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's okay
2: I I do kind of <laughs> understand what you mean though because there was one moment um where I didn't know I, it was it was when Mike died I couldn't re- I can't really place re- like the time frame of where Mike died um, but I feel like it didn't it didn't really annoy me much, you know what I mean? Like I feel like I didn't take any points away from the film for that, but I do I do agree with you. There there yeah. was that one moment and just particularly with Mike's death where it felt like it didn't I couldn't
1: figure yeah. out where it fit Like
0: in. are we talking like super fat like <clears throat> I feel like I still don't know if this is like over years or like months.
1: Uh, I, I think it takes place over years, but again, it, I think that is the one liberty that Durkin did take with a lot of the story, trying to maneuver things around because of all these tragic events that happened throughout it, and and just even the familial stuff. Like I know that uh, that the one part where they show the promo when Kerry is wrestling, when Kerry's wrestling in the big event where he wins the NWA World Championship. Um, and they show the interview with Fritz standing next to Mike, and they're like, "Mike, you're gonna get in the wrestling." world. like that's very, that's 100 accurate to what actually happened. Okay. But the thing is, then Kerry gets in the accident, and then I'm pretty sure that they wait until all three of them are, are able to again, and then he basically steps in for David. It's not like it was, it wasn't Kevin and Mike tag teaming, and then and then Mike had the tragic mm-hmm. injury that. Also, eventually happens, but I think all three of them were in the like. I think Carrie was already back in wrestling. Okay. I don't know if his recuperation, which is kind of insane to think about, but I don't think his recuperation was as long as we may have thought it was based on what they did in the movie. Like I think he might have been out for like a year and a half, maybe, which mm-hmm. is
0: crazy. Insane to that's think crazy. About.
1: Like he was, and and I do think maybe he. I mean, they don't show it in the movie, but I think he had a prosthetic, probably that he attached. I don't, yeah. I don't know exactly, but yeah, that that I mean, that's, that's a crazy. crazy. It's a crazy detail that when I found that I was also kind of in shock. But um, Vinny, I do I want to get your opinion too on like how the how the tragedy sort of hit you. Like in in did it did it come in bunches or was it was it just like like emotionally was it a roller coaster? Like can, can you explain what you were going through in the movies?
2: Yeah. Um, so wow, well, I it's a lot. It's a lot it's to a digest lot. because I feel that like i mentioned i didn't know the details behind the tragedy but i've heard of the 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 von eric curse mm-hmm. so there was this like impending doom that was like overlooming the entire film for like the first half and then the first half i think why the tragedy hits is i know you mentioned it before that the characters you f- you really feel for them and you really like fall in love with them mm-hmm. and also like you know not to mention it again but the cast like and all of them like Jeremy Allen White Harris Dickinson uh Zac Efron and uh, sorry who's Stanley
1: Stanley Simons
2: Stanley Simons they all added such charisma to the characters that I fell in love with them and then when David died you know You mentioned the toilet, the blood Mm -hmm. in the toilet. So like, I knew that I was like, oh shit! Like, Like, this is gonna go down soon. Like, it's gonna
0: be going down south soon.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then I, uh, that was like shock, but I didn't hit it. It didn't hit me at first. And then, you know, the the film progressed, and it just got worse and worse. And it slowly began to chip away at me. And it just like by the end of it with carrie's death um and and when kevin is strangling fritz i was like holy shit like this is like it it was like it took me over mm-hmm. and yeah it was just a lot it was a lot it is it's I, kevin, a lot yeah
1: i um i felt that this like a lot of movies do a good job when you're dealing with stories like this of of, sh- of showing you loss on screen but like you were saying too like this overarching feel of of dread like it you feel the loss mm-hmm. which, which it, it's very hard as a director to be able to get that sort of emotional response from a, a movie going audience but the fact that all three of us in this room like were brought to tears by what came to be and it's a true story and it's again a story that had like the tragedy was so immense and this is this is something we haven't brought up yet, which m- might be a good transitional point. The tragedy was so immense that there's an entire brother that is not mentioned in the movie. Yeah, and uh, it's some people online have issue with this. I do think that uh, based on what the director Sean Durkin has said about it and how he talked to Kevin about the filmmaking process before that happened. I do think it makes sense, uh, story wise, and 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 again, unfortunately, in like Hollywood terms, like why they had to do what they did. But there's there's such that feeling of of just like draining. It just drains you after every single loss, and it feels like it's like if you go through a tragedy. And I know there's like a saying, it like it comes in threes. Like when you hear mm-hmm. like one person passing away and then another one, it's like it happened in in fives yeah, for this literally. family. And it, it and like you said, it wasn't over. Like, unfortunately, you have the confusion of it, but it's not like it happened over months, but still in a short amount of time, these people were dying. I mean, two of the brothers were 21, mm-hmm. and uh, I know, Vinny, you had talked about this a little bit, like with Mike and Chris's – car, um, bro- Mike Von Erich and Chris Von Eric, who's not in the movie, Durkin sort of merges them as brothers together because, in an unfortunate way, their stories are so eerily similar. Like how they both killed themselves at age 21 and how they were both rushed, rushed into the wrestling business. And the injury that happens to Mike in the movie where he breaks his shoulder mm-hmm. and he goes through that surgery and it's supposed to be a routine shoulder it's surgery. Absurd. And he gets toxic shock syndrome. That's real, by the way, that 100% happens. And so that was true. To, that was very true to Mike's story. The only thing that uh, was similar to the Chris uh, story was that Mike was actually a good wrestler before he got hurt. Chris had asthma mm-hmm. and he was given an asthma medication like since he was younger and it made his bones very brittle. So when he was rushed into wrestling, he would break things left and right, and he was not a good wrestler. Like, synonymously, people people always associated that with him. But both of them were very sweet. They were both musical, and they had that version. So that's why They're I think Durkin sort of brought them together as characters. Um, and Kerry had talked about it uh, in an interview where he was saying that uh, – um, basically he understood, he was okay and completely understanding to the decision that he wanted the movie to ultimately just be about the love of brothers mm-hmm. and uh, how he was able to survive all of it as like himself, just yeah. Kevin Von Erich. Um And he said that he lived by the message that no matter what, even on your darkest day you keep fighting, life is worth it, which is great because that's mm-hmm. sort of what you get in the end of the film. But sort of piggybacking off what you said too, the brotherhood in this movie is so authentic and it's so real and it's so obvious even when you – which I love. You see the interviews that all these guys are doing now that the, the movie has been released for Entertainment Weekly on the Today Show, all these things. It's very obvious they formed a very serious bond in working together and going through this story and understanding what this family was like and how like close they all were. And I have a note here which there's a scene in particular that I also I really love from the film where – uh It's like the first scene that Pam uh, meets the family Mm -hmm. and uh, Mike wants to go. He goes, I got a gig. I got my first gig as as a musician and uh, his father, uh, his father and mother, like, absolutely not. You're not going there. You're not performing at a college. You're not going alone. Like, that's not happening. Like, it's not a job. And so the brothers sneak him out. And it's such a real moment of, like, the only people that these boys loved more than their father in a tragic way was their brothers. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you get to see that throughout the film in such an authentic way that also makes that, that feeling of loss so much heavier because you're like, you could just tell that these guys absolutely adored one another. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they did, it was tragedy after tragedy. And the, the fact that just the loss of David was so heavy on all of them that it drove three of them to the brink of insanity. And the pressure that came from Fritz, it's, it's such a brilliant movie and, mm-hmm. and, and the way that they're able to sort of set that up because it's it's not easy to do that. Like I, I know th- – this is a year especially that I think is really loaded with great movies and great performances. But I think it's like you can't undersell how hard it is to do what this movie did mm-hmm. in terms of building a family over a two-hour period and, and tearing away at that family – and having the audience feel that it's in such a deep level, because it, like I said, it's like I'm like almost brought to tears talking about it because the story is just so heart wrenching. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. I just went on a tangent. No, but. it's like, yeah. I
0: agree though. I think this movie would not have been as successful if the relationship of the brothers didn't feel like a true, honest uh, sibling relationship. Um, it kind of reminds me of like any time like there's a like the Little Women remake. Like uh, if you don't have that solid foundation of sibling friendship, you just don't connect to the characters as much or feel that empathy and feel the connection between them. So I think they all did an an incredible job. And then I also just love the contradicting moment. And I guess it's also just like in the story and in like all of them wrestling is that they all love each other so much, but then at the same time, they're competing against each other at all times Mm -hmm. because they're in the same world. Um, and you can see that it kind of eats them a, like a, in their insides of not wanting to compete against their brother, but then also being like, I want to be a great wrestler at the end of the day for my dad. And so I need to beat my brother in order to do this. So I think that that whole element comes in too, on top of the grief, which is so mm. messed up um, and just adds to them kind of losing their minds as a family of like, how can we continue being rivals when we've just lost a brother and then we've lost another one and we've lost another one um and i think i mean i the my first teary-eyed moment of when it started to get to me was when um mike the brother was just like eating the pills because i was like oh my god this poor boy just is pushed so over the edge and doesn't feel like he has a way out and that there are there forcing him to go back into wrestling and like talking about it that he is just like i have to end this i can't do it and the fact that they showed it on camera too um it was i i just loved the storytelling of how they unfolded all the tragic moments and how they did each one differently like the first one was off camera the first one you don't necessarily watch him die but you watch like his like him deciding to do it and like the lead up, which I just think is like incredibly heartbreaking. Um, but that one, I started crying.
1: Yeah, it's it it is, so sad. It, it is. It's in, it's incredibly sad. And and uh, again, I want to give because so much of this we're going to talk about Efron and we have been and Jeremy Allen White. Stanley Simons to do what he did mm-hmm. in those small moments uh, where he is alone and like even him strumming the guitar before he goes out and, mm-hmm. and eventually like. Um, goes to like basically isolate himself to take his own life. Like, there's there's so much he he has a very bright future. Like yeah. I, the fact that this is what he was able to do yeah. with this, and and still, also as someone who's not a very um experienced actor, similar to like uh, how we talked a little bit about earlier in the year about Dominic Sessa mm-hmm. and how he just made himself like like I could imagine. I feel like you see it told on screen, but it's like he. Glued himself to like Giamatti and Divine Joy Randolph and what that experience was like being a student in that school. Stanley Simons, he was a brother to the same of these three actors that have have been in uh, leads in television shows and Disney Channel stars mm-hmm. and the biggest star on TV right now and Emmy winners. Like he was able to really immerse himself within his brothers throughout that and that scene in particular, like you were talking about where he where he takes the pills is is awful and the the scene with the press conference. And it's, it's crazy because you see it on Kevin the whole time, too, where he's like, this shouldn't be happening
0: anymore. Yeah. yeah. But
1: what am I going to yeah. do? Because like you said, they just love their father so deeply. And there's a scene earlier on in the movie that it, it's played for laughs because it's early on in the movie and you don't know the tragic story. Like played for laughs, I guess, in a sense. But it's when they're all sitting at breakfast in the morning and he goes, everybody knows – that uh, Carrie's, carries my, my favorite. He goes, Carrie's my favorite, followed by Kevin, followed by David, and then Mike. He goes, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean the rankings can't change. Yeah. So you're putting the pressure on your children. Like, and think about how many people in life, like your own parents that are like, oh, I don't pick favorites. Like, mm. well, this guy sure did. And it had an effect on every single decision they yeah. made in their lives. And I also love how there's the juxtaposition with Pam, mm. Lily James, as Kevin's wife. Where uh, she just brings such a tenderness to to and and just again like the exact opposite of what Kevin had known, and they show it in a great way too. Where she asks for his autograph, and then she's like, "Has everyone ever taught you how to talk to a woman?" Yeah. like yeah. it's like no. He's like, "No, I only know like my brothers." Yeah, like, that's literally, how I talk to my brothers. And and then you see it later on in the film when uh, I think he's I don't know if he's at the uh, he's at the funeral for I don't know if he's at the funeral for Carrie or he's at the funeral for Mike, but she's like, "I can't. Are you coming home tonight?" And he's I like, I don't Mike. know. And and she's like, Well, I can't do this anymore.
0: Or no, no, no. Actually, I think it was it's Carrie. Carrie right? It was yeah. Carrie.
1: So and she's like, I can't do it like this anymore. Like, yeah. th- like she's like,
0: I didn't sign up for this. You need like, to come home
1: to me. Like, this is our family. And I understand. And it, again, just the movie is brilliant. There's just so
0: many layers to it. Yes. And like, I oh I'm talking about that scene, because like you could take it as just like she can't do this, like him not coming home, but then there's also mm. the element of him being like, "I'm not coming home because I don't want this uh, uh, curse, curse to, to like go on our child. and she mm. is just so adamant on being like it's not a curse. like like things are happening, but like it's not a curse to you guys. It's choices are made, and things happen. and
2: yeah, um, yeah. so
0: i I love that juxtaposition too, of her character. I thought she was great,
2: yeah, um, totally agree i mean piggybacking off the both of you guys um going back to just like the connection that's established in the first half of the film Mm. is remarkably done like just little scenes like them picking up mike from band practice yeah yeah and like you know i almost thought just from like instinct i thought they were gonna bully mike but no they lifted him up and mm-hmm. throughout the entire first act they're all lifting each other up you know they're not you're they're not making fun of each other or, or any of that and, and even if they do it's very lighthearted. yeah it's an understanding that it's comedic um and the establishment of that connection is so well done for when the tragedy does occur it's like wow you know it's very troubling um on the audience and the characters involved and also pam's character uh i know you guys directed it towards me when mentioning her which it's interesting because i feel like for me this might be controversial but for me i didn't really take her, like her character away as much as i did the other characters mm. I, I felt like she from i kind of overlooked her um which might have just been my fault as the audience but now that you mentioned it like her being is really important like her being there is significant to kevin mm-hmm. and you really see that like you, the word juxtaposition that you mentioned you see that where it's like the caring and then versus the toxicity that fritz von erich set up you know the very toxic mindsets indoctrinated into these children that they don't know anything else except for that yeah um which almost adds even more tragedy to the situation you know what i mean because like that in and of in of itself is tragic to think about you know what i mean um yeah that's 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 my thoughts on that just it's it's so yeah you said before beautiful is not the word but it's so incredibly done Mm -hmm. that i don't almost have no other words to describe it well
1: i want to go off what you were just saying too and how the movie is so much about family and the impact of what the environment around you is and you grow up into because Like, think about – there's a lot of people that are fans of wrestling that, that are, think Fritz is very responsible for everything that happened. And I think – I'm not saying you're also in saying that, Vinny, but I know based on what you're saying, you're like, I hated his character. And uh, he does a lot of messed up stuff that, that puts it in a very hard like, – like, why would you like his character? All the things he puts his kids through, even the one uh, at the end when you get Carrie's death scene, which I do want to say that's actually not how it actually played out. Um, when Carrie died, Fritz actually found Carrie, which is very interesting how also they changed they that up a little bit. yeah. Little... But I do think it's interesting, again, for the dramatic effect, but it hits so hard where Kevin calls his father, mm-hmm. and he's like, Uh-oh. it's the first time he has a moment yeah. Yeah, where he's yeah. like, all right, I need to call my dad, and he needs to understand, which, again, similar to the juxtaposition early in the movie, when he goes, Mom, you got to talk to Dad. He's being too hard on everybody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's like, talk to your father. That's your guy's problem with him. And they're all scared. Like they can't yeah. – like they don't want to look weak in front of their father. And they're like trying to sort of leverage their mother into saying something so that they can feel that they're not the ones that are sort of being outed as being the ones to say it. And more tyranny is like, that's not happening. Like I'm not going to do that. That's, that's your own business with your father. And so he calls his father and he's like – he goes like, Kerry is not right. Mm-hmm. He's like, and, and I want to go out there and I want to see him, but he's not letting me. He's like, but when he comes over, like you need to understand, like you gotta go get him, like you gotta figure this out. He's not okay, and uh, it is true that at least in the terms of like when he did uh, kill himself, Carrie, his father was like going pouring cement, like he was doing something else on the ground. like he mm-hmm. wasn't keeping an eye on his son. Um, and in the in the true in the real story of what happened, Carrie, like moments before it happened, like hugged his father and he said he loved him, mm. and then he was alone and then he and then he he killed himself, which. Going back to the documentary, uh, the one the one documentary I had watched is an episode from this really great docu um, <clears throat> docu series called Dark Side of the Ring, which you can watch all the episodes on Hulu. It started on Vice, and it tells all these insane stories, true stories of what have happened in professional wrestling. And Kevin Von Erich, again the only surviving member of the of the brothers, uh, he's the one getting interviewed for so much of the story, uh, along with other wrestling historians and people that worked in the industry, and he triples down on the fact that they loved their father despite all of this that has happened Mm -hmm. and how hard he was on them and there was the pressure that was built in and how he pushed his other sons into wrestling even when they probably didn't want to do it they love their dad Mm -hmm. and they were grateful for what they had and they love their family and they love how they grew up which is crazy to think about because five of them are gone from the earth yeah forever at ages that were like yeah unbeknownst to people and the director also talks about he goes when uh kind of sort of going back to the chris thing there were so many other things that they had to cut out of the movie because there's more tragedy like uh david had a daughter that died like oh my God. that's never brought up carrie had an entire family they don't talk about it like they had to they had to cut things out yeah because of how much and i know that um some of the criticism with the chris thing And I was talking to my cousin about this who I saw the film with and I was like, at some point though, does your audience stop like believing it even though it's real? Because there's so much tragedy that happens. It's like it's more and more and more and more and emphasizing like all of these tragic events. But it's like this is their reality. Like this is what they live through, which is.
0: I also think like, yes, you want to keep true to the story. But at a certain point, this is a narrative. If you want to know every little detail, go read about it or watch a documentary. I think that you have to have some like give and take on stories with Mm -hmm. narratives because it's not. Um, to just deliver hard, cold facts. It's about creating an art piece at the end of the day, too. It's about having a story and making the audience mm-hmm. walk away, having a feeling, not just with a ton of new information. Um, I do want to talk about uh, Maura Tierney's performance because uh, when I was like reading some things after, a lot of people were like, oh, Fritz von Erich was the one that like pushed his sons too hard, like it was the dad, blah, blah, blah. I just kept thinking that like the whole um, like for what changed for me from because I feel like um, Kevin's family, he has two sons. He's just like he's kind of just like his dad a little bit like he totally could have kept that ball rolling of like putting your sons into wrestling like boys don't cry. You do this. But that's why I think Pam's character is so important because it's her difference versus their mom's character those are the two people that for me are so different that then cause the cat that are the catalyst to then change the story for that family because doris von eric um eric just goes along with what her husband wants Mm. she just says like yep like even when oh my god it's like her son's funeral and she's not crying because you just heard Her husband say, like, keep the tears. Like, what did he say? He was like, "Uh, I want to see no tears today. Like, take those sunglasses off. Like, no tears. And here this woman is, like, getting ready, and she's, like, trying not to cry at her son's funeral. And so she almost, and I know it was probably, like, the time of, like, uh, like, a wife does what her husband wants. Like, she follows his lead. And so she didn't put her foot down of, like, you're pushing the boys too hard. She kind of just went along with it. So I don't put the blame fully on the father. But then also, that's where Pam comes in and she's like, don't listen to your dad. Like, quit wrestling. Like, pull it together. We have a family now. Like, don't just, like, follow this loop. And so I, for me, Lily James's character was a big pivotal Hmm. storyline change for me.
1: Yeah, and more tyranny does good. Those I do love how you see, though, again, despite maybe runtime, you could have seen some things a little different. But she gets these two moments. Uh, one of them, I know you list on your notes, so I want you to talk about it. But there's one too where I believe it's after Carrie dies, and she's in her room staring at the dress. Oh.
2: Yeah, and she's like, yeah. "I,
1: she's like, I, I can't, can't put it on." And Pam walks in. She goes, I-, "I can't put it on. They're gonna know. They're gonna know that this is the exact same dress I've worn twice now, mm-hmm. and yeah. I can't do that." And it's it just rips. And like, there's so many it's moments so in this movie that rips your insides out. It's it's incredible, and the other one is is the ending of the film with her and Fritz, which yeah, I would love for you to yeah. to talk about because you have it written in your notes too. Yeah, and the so, cinematography specifically. Yeah.
2: Hmm. So that yeah that this one scene, which also emphasizes, like you mentioned, um, Maura Tierney's incredible performance, I very underrated. It. Very.
0: She's yeah. super subtle throughout the whole thing.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and she doesn't get a lot of screen time. But when she does, you have those moments, like Mm -hmm. the scene with the dress. And that's a scene that really sold it for me. I was like, wow. Like the amount of emotion she's able to capture in just that one, Mm -hmm. you know, that line delivery and just that short scene. And the
0: restraint that she has. Because she could have totally easily been like, I can't wear this dress. Like I can't do it. But it's that like control of not letting her emotions seep through oh my mm. god so good yeah. so yeah. good
2: yeah no i 100 percent agree um and also sorry not to get off track but that last shot of fritz and doris which is something i wrote down as an incredible use of creative visual storytelling the last shot we see of them we don't see doris at first Uh, She's out of frame, and we only see Fritz asking for food. And in this, this is how I interpreted it, but it shows that Fritz doesn't actually see Doris for who she really is. And it solidifies that that she has been constantly indoctrinated and controlled by her husband. And then the camera dollies in. To show the audience that she's painting. Uh, Which is also a callback to when she told Mike about her painting. Mm -hmm. But she mentioned that she never told anyone she painted it. And that she'd forgotten the reasons why she painted it. Which is like also so telling of her character. Like once she got into this marriage. It's like everything of who she was was just forgotten Mm -hmm. and just like pushed to the side. But now we dolly in and we finally see her and we see her how she truly is. Mm -hmm. And I thought that last shot of them was just so powerful. So powerful. Because in that scene too, what is Fritz doing? Controlling her. Where's my food? Yeah. That's what he asked. What am I going to eat? What am
0: I going to eat? I'm hungry.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I thought that was just I agree. I loved incredible.
0: it. It was also a great ribbon to like her character because the whole time she is kind of just following along and she was finally like the shoe dropped of her putting her foot down. I mean, it took her, what, four sons passing away yeah, yeah. for her to finally be like, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, I also think it's interesting, now that I'm like thinking of their scenes, the first scene when they're all younger and he just like got out of the fight and he's showing her the car the that Cadillac, he just, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, how much did this cost? Actually, I don't even wanna know, which then like, I feel like that line alone just enabled the whole entire rest of their lives of like, oh, your brother's struggling, I don't wanna know, like go deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Oh, you, you're you like, somebody's dying, oh, I don't wanna know.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I do think, uh, which I love that you brought up the, the scene uh, where she shows the painting to Mike, After he's sort of gone through the toxic toxic shock syndrome and you can tell that there's a lot that is uh, is out of him at this point. And and I think that it's also telling how how great that scene is in terms of how she just – she gives away this thing that she talks to somebody and tells them that she painted it for the first time because she sees this innocence in her son and she feels the need to like – it gives her a glimpse of like, I feel so, I, like you don't see throughout the whole entire movie throughout what they're going through that she feels bad about anything that's happening. No. And in this moment, she's like, I need to like tell my son something that will make me feel good and will make him feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh my God, the movie, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> this movie is so emotional, man. Well, should
0: we talk about the ending? <laughs> yeah, so oh I know, because I know you
1: brought it up to me too. um And it's definitely a scene I want to talk about because... That is the scene that like made me weep. Like, oh, that was,
0: absolutely. Yeah, oh, Are yes. you kidding me? So,
1: so, Liz, why don't you, why don't you take this one away on, on oh. the, what happens?
0: Okay. So after the whole story, you've just been being and being and being. and um finally, Kevin, like sells the company, and he's uh, just kind of ready to move on with life, I feel like at this point. um and you see him sitting like crisscross in his field watching his two boys playing football Mm. and all of a sudden you just see him like crying while watching his sons and like he's just crying and this is the first time that uh, which is just great directing or maybe acting I don't know who made the decision to not let um Kevin's character show any sort of like tears at all throughout the whole whole film until this final moment cuz no, I, real, moment
1: oh. right? no, real, moment no real moment of heartbreak, right? Nothing. There's no real
0: moment of heartbreak at the funerals. He's not really crying. He's just kind of looking off at the distance because in his head he's probably yeah. like my father keeps saying no tears, boys don't cry, boys don't don't cry. And so finally it's like a breath like a breath of fresh air when you see him just like crying by himself. Mm. And then his two boys, like, run over to him and are like, dad, what's wrong? And he's like, I'm sorry, boys. Like, don't be, don't do this. And they are just like, it's okay. Like, everybody cries. Like, I cry. Oh, my God. But the saddest part, I feel like what really uh, got everybody was the line of, like, I'm not a brother anymore
1: oh yeah i could cry right now And they say we'll be your brother's dad it's Uh, it's the best it's
0: so moving and just it's it's really like you you've been saying um that it's it finally like brings you hope of Mm -hmm. like there's no more curse like you can do this like life is gonna go on there's been horrible things but you now have like it's up to you to break those chains that you guys have been like holding on through a family it was so beautiful
1: yeah and i I love how there's no uh cliche ways of callbacks Mm -hmm. in this movie because like you talked about with the scene that that wraps up doris's story and then uh you see the one scene of the all the brothers playing football as soon as carrie gets back from the olympics oh yeah uh, well how the olympics didn't wind up happening so he was at the um the practices for the olympics and things like that and they come back and they play football and the whole time which is like you're not gonna catch your brother. You're not gonna be able to make that catch. You're never gonna keep up with Kerry, and Dave is just letting them play. Yeah, just letting them be two young boys and just play football with one another and embrace that. And it's just so insane to see, like, like you were saying, Liz, the the, the difference between like the fact that you have that silver lining in what Pam had become and and resembles uh, or symbolizes, I should say, for Kevin and his future and his family and you get the perfect wrap up at the end of the movie where you see that the whole family live he's what he, uh he says early on in the movie i just want i want to live with all my brothers mm-hmm. i want to have okay. a giant land i want to have a farm
0: and have everybody and live with me i want to have everybody
1: live with me and now everybody lives with them yep everyone in his family lives what with. they have
0: like 14 grandkids yep. now mm-hmm. in real and they life? all
1: live in hawaii together Crazy. it's inc- it's incredible it's like it's like Like one of the most perfect stories encapsulated on screen that I've seen in a very, very long time. It was
0: beautiful. I loved the ending. I also really loved, I want to talk about with you guys, what your thoughts were on um, after Carrie dies. How they show like him meeting his brothers.
1: Oh, the heaven, like the heaven sequence. Yes. Mm. Oh my God.
0: What, What were your thoughts? Yeah.
1: I mean, a really great, I love... I love how you have the callback to the young brother. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! That- I,
0: that's when I started. I was like, <laughs> so I was like, too. this is it. I was like, I'm gonna go. I was going to start tapping
1: crying out, tapping out. No, it's 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 a great sequence, and, and he floats in and on the boat, and they're all waiting on the. They're dock like, for hey him.
0: brother, hey brother, and it's, I was like,
1: no. It's 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 amazing. Did you you like that sequence, Benny?
2: Yeah. So.
0: But he's like, No, I'm not. I'm not but he's like, <laughs> Didn't hit me whatsoever. Hit me, no,
2: me. <laughs> I liked it, I liked it. Um, uh, but I'm not gonna lie, at first, at first, because you have that incredible scene of the death of Carrie mm-hmm. and Kevin attacks Fritz and then he carries uh Carrie's body into the home, and you can see like he's about to break down, yeah that scene was like hold i'm holding back tears i'm practically tearing up at that point um i thought the heaven scene at first was like a little bit of like it took me out of it i was like was oh, it, you oh, thought
0: it was I, like cheesy or what did uh, you think it
2: was- um i thought for a moment i was like oh shit this is gonna, this is going to be cheesy as hell <laughs> See, i loved All it right? <laughs> but 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 i will say like the what i loved about it was when the camera tilts down to uh carrie's feet and then he has his foot Mm -hmm. and he jumps yeah he's all happy and then you know the reunion the reunion with the very the youngest brother that Mm -hmm. died yeah that sold me for Mm -hmm. it that's all i will say like i'm not like i like that scene don't get me wrong i like it but at first i it that that switch of like oh, this is a heaven scene, kind of threw me off. Okay. Yeah, uh, I can
1: get, I, I understand that. Though. Yeah, See, I,
2: I
0: disagree, did. though, because I, I feel like films, once somebody dies, it's like, okay, their story's done. And so I liked that they, like, gave space for the other brothers to have a wrap-up and not just they died, no more talking about them.
1: Yeah, It's yeah. it sort of resembled, like, at least the, the fan in me, for, like, knowing the whole story, too, it also resembles this real moment of, like, Everybody knows this story for what the story is—that they're all dead, mm-hmm. like that. And and instead of that being the legacy and the attachment to what this movie is, though, oh, that's the movie about where all the wrestling family died, right? Yeah. No, it's like no, they all get their moment together mm-hmm. as brothers with what they yeah. all wanted, and based point. on what Kevin has like always says in interviews, and like he had spoken to Sean Durkin and said, "I just want this movie to be about my brothers." Like that's a that's a scene that I, I do feel like it it's it's essential to to sort of giving you that that piece of like, well, you know what as awful as this is and Kevin's the one that still talks about how he's been able to survive and you got to just appreciate life for what it is and now look at what he has he has what he always wanted but you get the sense that these brothers are together despite the fact like again they didn't they they might have i mean you know they were driven to the brink of of uh drug abuse and they were driven yeah. to the point of of trying to I mean uh suicide and things like that but They were good, genuine people and you see that on screen and you see it through their brotherhood. Like, I forgot about the scene where they go pick up the brother from the band but that's a scene too where it's like he gets in the car. He goes, we're going to go eat something and he goes, I'll get a burger with your little brother. (laughs) Even though he says he doesn't want one and they are all eating Like, There's so much to that authentic familial um, feeling that you get for them throughout the movie. So I do think – I do think it's – I understand where you're coming from because again, the movie hits you so hard in so many different ways but – I do think it was a scene, I agree with you, Liz, where it did feel that it was something that it, it really wrapped up the story of the brothers and made you at least feel good for for a second about where they ended up despite all the all the things they've gone through in their in their life. Yeah. I mean, for sure. No,
2: that's a good point that you make, actually. because um, we were talking about how before, like with a narrative, you have to leverage how much you want to include. Mm-hmm. Um and if they just included everything. Um, it might've felt too bloated and too, just too much trauma and just began to feel repetitive, which which it, which it feels really, uh, harsh saying that because this happened to real people. Yeah. Um, but through a narrative perspective, um, you know, it, it could just become repetitive trauma and, you know, lose its, its spice. Um, but i like now that you mention um that that this is this occurs with the last death mm-hmm. in the family the heaven scene occurs at the last death and it gives them a happy ending rather than it being just a film about oh uh, trauma 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 trauma, trauma yeah yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah for sure. i will so.
0: say though because i didn't know the fo- like i didn't know the story um, when Carrie is like on the boat and like going into heaven because they they cut very abruptly from uh, Kevin carrying Carrie like into the kitchen and like placing him on the table. Hmm. And like, you don't know what's happening, kind of. You're like, oh my God, wait, why? Like, why is he bringing him into the table? Like, what's going on? And then they cut to him on the boat. There was literally a second where I was like, Tell me Kevin or yeah, Kevin is going to be all of a sudden on another boat and like he killed himself. That's where I thought the story was going for a second. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I was like, tell me all the brothers just die because I didn't know. I didn't know if he like lived or not. And so I thought that they were all going to be like hugging and then be like. Brother. Could you and imagine that Zach Efron. That
1: would take so much. That would take so much out of it. That's I what like...
0: I thought because I didn't know he was yeah. still alive at yeah. this point. I was yeah, like because
1: you've gone through so no, much. I was like, okay, yourself.
0: well, so the story must be that they all died. I literally yeah. was prepared for that. I was like, here we go. Zach Efron's gonna be on a boat mm. next.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> I that would have been crazy. That would
0: have been crazy. That would have been insane. Would have been
1: nuts. Yeah um we've covered the the story of this so much and and vinny i know as someone like you said as a director of photography there there is a lot to love in terms of um in terms of this film if you want if you want to give a couple of standout moments for you in terms of the way that they're able to sort of visualize the story for the audience because i i do think that uh this year especially like another i guess comparison to the holdovers two films where it just completely places you in the era like you, you yeah. feel that oh, you're yeah. in you're in 70s wrestling and 80s wrestling and 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 just uh old uh like southern charm and southern like farmland and this is who we are and pickup trucks and 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 uh muscle tees like that's yeah. like but that's so much of what they grew up in even the, down to the haircuts like the that, haircuts. That's, that, that yeah. was what they look like like legitimately so um, I don't know if there were specific things you wanted to talk about, but the floor, the floor is yours, my friend.
2: Yeah, I I really want to talk about the the technical side of things. Um, so uh, first off, to begin the the cinematography, I really adored it. Uh, the cinematographer with, uh, for this was a Hungarian cinematographer who previously co- previously collaborated with Sean Durkins on his film The Nest. Uh, which I have not seen, like I mentioned. I have was not familiar with any of Sean Durkin's work, but I, I can assume that they've formed a good uh, like companionship together. Uh, and that his name is uh, Machez Earl D. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it uh, 100% correctly, but this film was all shot on 35mm Kodak film. And it just like you mentioned, it gives such a good job. It does such a good job at adding to the time period you know you have that that grit to it and uh it's shot on film obviously digital wasn't really a thing uh during the events of this film so it just places you right there into it and i just overall thought his use of motivated lighting and photography in this film was it made it feel so much more real you know like i i appreciate when films they don't especially the cinematographers when they take more of a naturalistic standpoint on it. And that being like certain examples that stood out to me were the nighttime scenes when they're speaking on the phone mm. or when Kevin and Carrie are, are talking uh, before his motorcycle accident you know uh, with the belt on the table and they're talking. It's all very uh, f- very motivated lighting come from the windows uh, and the only time when it feels artificial are the scenes that are artificial the the,
1: the wrestling scenes, the
2: wrestling scenes yeah, yeah. which i really appreciate like they ham it up uh, for there because you know those were scenes that were hammed up yeah. in the context of the story yeah, for sure. um i also love 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 love, love they uh early and durkin's decisions to use long takes and a lot of a lot of like the heavy hitting moments are just long takes of these t- actors going at it you know just putting their all into it and then uh they often incorporate with these long takes The slow zoom. Mm -hmm. And I found this really interesting because not only did it add dynamic movement to these very static shots, but it also provided as like a visual motif and metaphor. Like with every tragedy, their world is getting smaller and smaller as time passes by. And as a result, like they're getting more confined and tight and like the tension is just building and building. I just adored that. Um, Also, not to mention Going into the musical side of things, Mm -hmm. I thought the soundtrack did such a good job. I thought also it kind of all goes, you know, I mentioned before how like every element in this film complements each other. And that opening scene and most of the film, but mostly that opening scene reminded me a lot of Raging Bull. And I think they took a lot of inspo from Raging Bull because, like, the black and white photography, the slow motion, the slow dissolve of the title card, and, like, the score. The score was done by Richard Reed Parry, and that opening track is The Claw. And it's, like, epically grandiose, but it has, like, this overlooming dark dread to it. And that's reminded me of Raging Bull, and it also is just like a perfect tone setter for what's to come,
1: Um, and for his character. Oh, to to give you a real glimpse of who Fritz was, not only in the ring, but showing you like how heavy of that toll was of him in the ring and being this grizzled heel, like for the bad guy in, in wrestling terms, of just completely like dismantling opponents and being the. And I know that um, his. His character in wrestling originally, he transitioned to Von Eric to go with basically like he wanted to portray the worst possible person that you could be in terms of wrestling. So he mm-hmm. basically played a Nazi, like that was like his character oh. in wrestling. Uh. So it was like he changed his name to Von Eric to have that German sort yeah. of thing too. And then again, That's like even the 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 fact that someone had the brain to do something like that mm-hmm. and then showcase and transition from the black and white sequence in the ring into what his family life eventually became and the pressure that he put on his kids is is very was again another great job in terms of direction and editing and and so much of the below the line stuff
2: yeah yeah and and also not to mention just setting the time period i think production design and costume design and makeup and hair like (laughs) like we mentioned the haircuts it all pulls together like the scene what really stood to me when it all clicked was the uh, towards the beginning, when uh, it's like outside of the venue, and that's when Pam and Kevin first meet. Mm-hmm. And then you see all the cars. You see all the costume on display. There's this awesome tracking shot that's uh, going from one girl getting an autographed and then following them to Kevin to eventually to Pam.. Um, that just like was it reminded me of like the boogie nights one take or like
1: dazed and confused too i had some days yeah
2: a hundred percent a hundred percent and also like goodfellas obviously like the inspo is there and it pays off because you see an excellent display of costume design makeup production design all come together and also that really stood out to me too the that's where the cinematography was like i noticed like oh shit this this is all gonna be shot on film and yeah it's beautiful it's it beautiful the, the, yeah. the movie
1: the movie overall like, like i feel like if we keep we're gonna keep going across the same point i feel like we've literally discussed the entire movie which we don't usually even do in our no. reviews but there's so much takeaway from this movie um I feel like we should probably wrap it up. Probably. Like I just want to discussion. say one thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that I
0: thought they did really well. Um, for people that, like, don't watch wrestling, I always say, I mean, you and I have had conversations about it and me being mm-hmm. like, oh, it's fake. And so when she asks him on, like, the first date, when she's like, it's all, like, preplanned, right? And he's like, well, no. But like because
1: that's what a wrestler would say. Yeah,
0: he's like, "Well, no, because like we're doing it in real time, so it's not fake." But then you see that scene of them being like, "Okay, so you're going to do this, then you're yeah. going to do that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then you're <laughs> going to do this." And I'm I'm like so it is fake. Yeah, it's it's, it's all
1: it's all scripted, and <laughs> yeah. it's it's that it's that element though of like that pride of being like, well, no, like I came from this and my family, and mm-hmm. like this isn't fake to us. Like this. Well, is also, our life.
0: arguably, I'm going to argue with myself a little bit. It's it's not really fake because they still can get injured. Yeah, in Real absolutely. time, like that's, that's, they're, that's they're still that's doing what, it. That's
1: what comes. I mean, just because
0: it's planned doesn't think mean think about, it's about not the
1: fact real. that Carrie Von Erich wrestled amputated with an amputated foot for.
0: No, that's that's Crazy. crazy. That's insane. insane, and that nobody knew.
1: Nobody knew. Well, like I said, a few select wrestlers that he was very close with knew, but like the industry didn't know that until after he died. Everyone thought he just had an ankle injury and it took a long time to recover. Crazy, Crazy man. Incredible. Crazy. Um, I think it's time for scores. Okay. We talked about this movie for a very long time, but, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode because we've definitely enjoyed talking about the movie. Um, my New Year's resolution before the New Year is that I'm gonna go to .5s and full scores. Yeah. So I'm transitioning to that. Uh, not that this one is gonna need a half score because to me this is a ten. Uh, I think Ooh. this is a movie. This is a movie that, and I, I will say in terms of like the ten, because people always argue like, well, 10's a perfect movie. To me, a ten is is a movie that feels like one of the greatest experiences I've had.
0: And that you don't have obvious complaints about. Yes, like yeah. there's
1: nothing that I would look at in terms of this movie besides very minor things that we've talked about that would make me upset. And again, even in terms of see I, I I appreciate and I'm I feel like lucky enough to see this from the perspective of like understanding the story of this family in wrestling, but also being a former filmmaker myself and understanding Durkin's motivations to do what he had to do in terms of uh I don't want to say manipulating, but changing the story in a way that serves the narrative better for the audience. Mm -hmm. And um, like we've talked about, I mean, so many things, just quick wrap up, up, but like Efron, it's phenomenal. Uh, You get really great character moments still from all of the supporting players, even like every single character has a pivotal moment. And I think that that is just great writing and that's great directing. And Durkin did both, which is awesome. I would love for him to get nominated for things, too. Unfortunately, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I hope this gets, like, costume, Like you said, I hope it gets costuming. Something. I hope it gets makeup. All these different awards that I hope it gets nominated for. But there is a part of me that just really is hopeful that people can start to see how great of a job Efron did of, of carrying the weight of this trauma and tragedy through the Von Erich family as Kevin Von Erich. Um This is one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, it's one of a number of other movies I've given tens to because there's so many other, I like I said, I think 2023 has been a terrific year for cinema and I really am hopeful that this continues a trend going forward. And luckily we have studios like a 24 that makes movies like this and allows opportunities for filmmakers like Sean Durkin to tell stories like this on screen. Um, but I absolutely adored this movie and as hard as a watch as it is, this is one that I will definitely rewatch and I will constantly revel in how brilliant the the storytelling is at its highest level so i'm giving iron claw a 10. liz
0: wow you're gonna be shocked i have only given out two other tens this year and that was barbie and uh past lives i truly don't have anything negative to say about this film the one thing that i had to say was that i got confused on timeline but now that i talked to you guys maybe it was just Mm. me um, so I am also going to give this a 10.
1: Wow, it's crazy!
0: <laughs> I really, usually I'm, I can pick out a few things of like, that performance was weak, they could have wrapped up the story a little bit more, or you know me with like- Runtime. runtime yeah. it It can kill a movie for me. I didn't feel this mm. runtime at all. Um, it felt very good, pacing wise. And I really, the only thing that I would have said was, uh, Time, like actual timeline was a bit confusing, but I feel like maybe it's just because I was overloaded with information that I wasn't able to pick up on it. So it's going in. It's got. It's it's got one of the tens this I love year. That. I do have a
1: quick question before we go to Vinny. Mm-hmm. All the strangers did not get a ten from you.
0: Well, I haven't reviewed it on this podcast yet. Okay, but it will.
1: Okay, so it'll be four. But <laughs> so still, it will be four. But still, no, I'm I'm shocked by that, but I'm very happy to hear that. Yeah. All right, Vinny. We cut to you. Ooh, Are you going to let us all then down? Then he's going to
0: be like seven. No, <laughs> No, kidding, no
1: way. Kidding. You can tell based no, on me. No way. That, yeah, No, he loved
2: I, it. I adored this film. Um, however, my main, Ooh, rule, my, main, my, <laughs> my main rule that I usually go by is I never give Tenzo on first watch. I need to rewatch it. I like that. I like
0: it. I like yeah. it a lot.
2: So... <laughs> so, so i think that iron claw will probably get a 10 from me
1: but as of right now
2: but as of right now it's a good like nine 9.5 okay. great i just so need so to watch it it's gonna
0: get it'll get up there
2: it's it's gonna definitely get a 10 from me eventually if not in the next you know week of me just mm-hmm. thinking about it um
0: do you have other 10s that you've rated this year already no okay because no. okay.
2: that's that's my usual like rule that you i gotta watch
0: 5. it a second time
2: yeah yeah so uh, yeah it's really hard because uh, r- r- you know numbers are, are are difficult sometimes so 10 but as of right now that like also we'll a, a 9.5 9, i 9. 5, 5, 5, yeah, 5, yeah, we'll we'll put it down for a 9.5 yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: everybody has so, their own things because for true. me
0: if yeah. i can pick out one thing that i'm like eh that could have changed then it's a nine. Yeah. But if there's truly nothing like Barbie to me, perfection, nothing needs to be changed. People would argue with me on that, obviously. Well, uh, there's a
1: there's a big chunk of Barbie for me that brings it down
0: exactly. considerably. But yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. it was s- perfection. And then past lives, oh my god. Yeah,
1: that might be. <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking about it because I'm at, like you said, you're you're at four tens, which Vinny, close your ears because I I'm not a big fan of the thing. You're at like <laughs> I'm at six for the year which is like it's a lot more it's than a I've lot ever, than i've ever what are they of. let's hear them well one of them we're going to review later this week so i don't want to talk about that oh, okay uh it's iron claw um past lives beyond the spider-verse um uh or is across the spider-verse what's the second one um, is beyond the
2: across coming? across
1: across, across, the across the spider-verse past lives oppenheimer this film uh the holdovers and one more that we're going to talk about later in the week that i don't want to give away Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm so um so yeah i mean i think this is i would argue this is the best movie year definitely since 2019 the year the parasite won best picture i'd have to i want to take a look and that movie's i mean i think that's one of the greatest movies ever made so um but i'd have to take a look again at the rest of that year and see what else came a few years before that but i think this is the best movie year in a very
0: it's a very long time. It's a it's hard tough. season.
1: It is. It's a great It's a great time to be a movie fan, though. It's a great time to be a cinephile. It's a great time to be watching the Cinema Wave podcast, everyone.
0: Hey. So <laughs> I,
1: have, I have truly loved this conversation with you guys. If you guys have enjoyed this conversation, please give us a like. Subscribe to the page. We have a ton of reviews coming just this week alone. We're talking about uh, – we just did the Iron Claw. We're going to talk about Maestro. We're going to talk about Rebel Moon uh, Part 1. We're going to be talking about poor things. Uh, we have a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe town hall sort of wrap up of phase four that we're going to be discussing later in the week as well that I'll drop next week. Um, plus, the the new year is coming. We have a whole new year of cinema coming for you guys very soon. Tons of things to talk about on movies and TV. So please uh, hit the um, bell to get your alerts for when we put out new videos. Um, if you guys don't already, follow us at cinema Wave Media on Instagram. We're also on TikTok and Threads and Facebook. You can also follow us at underscore culture wave media on Instagram and at Jersey's finest pod for our Jersey's finest podcast content on Instagram as well. Just signing off. I am Darian Scalamone.
0: I am Liz Seiko.
2: And I'm Vinny Albano.
1: And we'll see you guys next time.